Hallelujah. We may take our seats. Amen. Woo, glory. To begin with, allow me to say Happy Women's Day. I know it's going to be on Wednesday. But I would like to say now, for those that don't understand why we are having Ladies Sunday today, it's because we are celebrating women. Amen. How many of us can imagine life without women? We can't even imagine it because we are, women are a literal passage through which life comes. Amen. So they ought to be celebrated. Amen. Please, even this Wednesday, celebrate the women in your life. You are all the women in my life, so I celebrate you. Happy Women's Day. I love you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, <laughs> what are we talking about today? So, the, the title of the sermon I am going to be sharing today is called The Peace of God. The Peace of God. I'll start with a story. I'm a storyteller. I think, I think, yeah. So I, I have noticed something about my husband. I talk about him a lot. Yeah, I've noticed something about my husband. He's one person who, when given something, for example, maybe you give him an application or you give him a phone, he will want to dissect it. You know what I mean when I say dissect? Like he wants to dissect, he wants to know every way that it works. He exhausts everything that it was meant to be. If it's downloading applications on it, he will download applications. If it's knowing how to make calls, how to record calls, some of us, our phones, even if we cry for iPhone 14, we'll just get it and we'll just be doing WhatsApp and calling. Not my husband. He wants to dissect it and know everything, every, in however way that it works. Amen. I love to, I, I use that as a, an analogy to show the kind of God that we have. When God created you and me, he intended for us to live a certain way. He intended for us to function at our highest capacity. Hallelujah. He wants to use everything there is to use within us to be able to live the life that we live on earth. Hallelujah. And so I believe with all of my heart, that is why God brought in the system of peace. You will understand why even as we go ahead. He wants to ensure that everything, I, I feel like my own definition from all of my study of what peace is, is to harmonize, is a harmony kind of thing. Like he wants to harmonize everything within us to ensure that we are working correctly and we are functioning at our highest capacity. Praise God. And peace does that. It aligns us. It makes us the way that we are supposed to be. Amen. It shows us every dimension that a human being is supposed to have because everything will be working in peace. Everything will be working in harmony. Hallelujah. Peace is a Hebrew word that is translated, that is called shalom. And it is translated as to be safe, to be sound, to be healthy, to be perfect, to be complete. It signifies a sense of well-being. It's not just 
quietness or tranquility. Peace has got a lot of dimensions to it. It's got a lot of facets to it. Amen. It actually, in another translation, peace is actually translated as it is well. So these greetings that we do, no, how are you? Or maybe something is happening and we go like it is well. Peace is like a system that God has placed in where we come and we find, in the olden days, actually, peace was meant to be a greeting. Where you come and you find somebody and you call them and you, and, and you know, you, you call to each other, it is well, it is well. It is actually a greeting. But then, according to this, even as we go on, we understand why. You know, when somebody comes and he says, peace unto this thing or peace unto this household, it simply means somebody has come and is saying, it is well. It means that when I come to that place and I find that something is not functioning the way that it's supposed to function, I look at it and I say, it is well. Because I am speaking the peace of God that brings wealth that brings perfection, that brings wholeness to that thing. So when I come to somebody and I find that you are sick, I speak to you and I say it is well. It means I am communicating health to you. Peace is not just, I want my peace, you know. I just, uh, you know, peace sign, peace sign. Peace has got many facets to it. And we will understand even as we go ahead. Hallelujah. So peace, like I said before, I said peace signifies harmony, both within and without. Some, sometimes the peace that is without, the peace that is without is a reflection of the peace that is within. But then I'll tell you one secret, that the peace that is without does not affect the peace that is within. Because the peace that is within was meant to bring peace to the without. <laughs> Praise God. So, this peace thing is a very serious thing to God. He takes it very seriously. You know how I know? Because he, he calls himself, he, it's not just that God is just a God of peace. He calls himself peace itself. The Bible says that he is called Jehovah Shalom. This does not mean he is God, he is God of peace. Well, yes, he is a God of peace because he is a peaceable God. But it is his name. It is who he is. It is at his very essence because he is, a, he is God's peace itself. He takes it very seriously and that is why I believe he wants to communicate this thing to us this morning. Or is it afternoon? Hallelujah. And so from this we can deduce that God is the solid foundation. He is the origin of what peace is meant to be. You cannot have peace without God. Praise God. You cannot have peace without God. You have to have God to have peace. Because he is Jehovah Shalom. Okay, so now, let's look at a few people from the word of God. Hallelujah. Judges 6. So now, it's, it's quite a lengthy portion of scripture, but I'll, I'll try and read the portions that I am very interested in. I'll give you a scenario. I'll give you a picture of what was, uh, what was happening at this time. This is a time when the Bible says that Israel had forgotten that God had taken them out from Egypt. They had forgotten their gods and began to, to worship other gods. Amen. They were in a place where they were alienated from God. They were in a place where they forgot about God. Even as we are seated here, I want us to be taking notes. I want you to place yourself where you are. Hallelujah. 
They were in a place where they had forgotten who God was. That he was the God of Abraham. He was the God of Jacob. He was the God of Isaac. They had forgotten that he was the God who took them out of Egypt from the hands of Pharaoh. They had forgotten and so they, they began to fear other gods. They began to worship other gods. Hallelujah. And so we see what is going to happen here. Judges chapter number 6 from verse 1, please. Okay, it's far. <laughs> okay. The Bible says, Then the children of Israel, can you give it to me in the, in the NLT, please? The Bible says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Let's go ahead. Please be fast. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves. Had they known the God of peace, these people, do you think they would have been hiding? The Bible says in the mountains, in the caves and strongholds. This is timidity. They were in a place where they were timid. They were afraid because they had forgotten God. And so they, their enemies were at their doorsteps. But then that's not the only thing that happened. Let's go on, please. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, Mara, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. So this is at a time where each time that Israel would like to do a cut deal, they would want to plant their crops. Enemies were flocking their door. Hallelujah. I, I hope you are seeing this scene. Like the real housewives of, of Israel, I would like to bring it to modern day. You know, you want to... Um, enter into a, a, an opportunity of some sort. All of a sudden, dramas are sober. All of a sudden, something has just happened. There's something that is not right here. Let's go ahead, please. Camping in the land and destroying crops. This is now the Midianites. They were, each time that the Israelites would plant crops, the Midianites would come, and they would come and camp in their, in their land. They don't stay in the Israelite camp, but when they hear that the crops decide, they would come and they would camp in their, in, in their land, destroying crops as far as Gaza. Have you noticed that not only, it's not like they were coming to actually eat these crops or get them. They were coming to destroy. You, would, you know, you would, you would think, okay, these people should come and these people should actually come and um, steal the crops. But they were not stealing. They were just destroying. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat. They were in a place of luck. This was a crisis for Israel. Israelites with nothing to eat. Taking all the sheep, goats and cattle and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tanks were as thick as locusts. Guys, locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. Let's go on, please. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Can somebody say, cried out to the Lord for help? The Bible says the Israelites had had it. They had it up to here. If you know what I mean, I say, I have had it up to here. They were reduced to starvation. Starvation brings death. I'm sure their children were dying. You know, there was disease in the land because there was nothing to eat. There was no nourishment. Hallelujah. Let's go on, please. When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, let's go. The Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. 
He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery. Let's go on, please. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. This was the, this was the state of Israel before they forgot about God. I told you I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Mind you, this was after Joshua had taken the Israelites to the promised land. This was in the promised land when they were going through this. Praise God. This was in the promised land. This was after promotion had come. After they had stayed in the desert 40 days and 40 nights, 40 years, amen. And then the new generation had come up and God was allocating to them their land. This was where God had said, I will take you to the place of milk and honey. What has happened? Where is my milk, God? Where is my honey? Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, which belongs to Joash of the clan of Ebiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, can someone say Gideon, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the... Enzo, 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 Chosa, the crops that had been removed, like that had, that had, what can I say? Voku Javamere Vinapia. Amen. Enzo, he wanted to hide from the Midianites. This is timidity at its highest. The people who are supposed to be the people who are supposed to be your servants are the ones you're hiding from. Let's go on. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Let's go on. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our, our ancestors told us about? Did they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Does it sound familiar? We do this sometimes. Let's go on, please. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Listen to this. I've just gotten this now. Have you noticed that Gideon was trying to hide something from the Midianites? But God was looking at Israel, even though they were going through the time of their lives. It is not like God had not forgotten. It is not like God had forgotten the strength that he had given them. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. It is not like God had forgotten their identity. Have you noticed that God actually says, just go back to the previous verse. Our line just now. The, previous, the Bible says, go with the strength you have, not the strength I will give you. Gideon already had this strength. Hallelujah. It's not like it was taken away from him. God says, go with the strength you have. It is not like Gideon. It's just that Gideon did not know that he had strength. Let's go on, please, 15. But the Lord, Gideon, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. Please go on. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites. Not because God was going to give Gideon strength, but because God was confident in the strength that he had already given Israel. Destroy the Midianites. Yes, go on, please. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking. Please go on. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. Somebody say offering. I hope you are writing down. First of all, they had forgotten God. Amen. They cried out to God. 
offering. He answered, I will stay here until you return. Please go on. Gideon hurried home. He cooked a young goat. It was <laughs> man of a life rich church. It was Gideon who cooked the goat. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's go back, please. He cooked a young goat and with a basket of flour, he guys, he used to bake. Okay, now like. And with a basket of flour. <laughs> He baked some bread without yeast, then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the, to the angel who was under the, tree, the great tree. Go on, please. The angel of God said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And Gideon did as he was told. Go on, please. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. Amen. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. Go on, please. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Go on, please. It is all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in opera in the land of the clan of Ebiezer to this day. Now, I want us to, there are key things that I want us to see. In verse 24, it actually says that, oh, no, no, not, not, not just in verse 24. As we read on, it actually tells us that Gideon went out and brought an offering unto the Lord. An offering, a sacrifice that signifies worship, a sacrifice that signifies prayer, a sacrifice that, a sacrifice that signifies devotion. Hallelujah. He brought it and the Bible says he built an altar unto the Lord. It is only after Gideon erected an altar unto the Lord that the Lord came and said it is well. Not only did he say it is well, Gideon recognized and had a, and had a revelation of God shalom. The God our peace. By the way, Gideon was a judge. He was a judge for Israel. He used to stand between God, between the people of Israel and God. Hallelujah. There was so much happening. And yet Gideon erected an altar. I want us to look at another verse. Let's go to 1 Samuel 7, 3, 14. 7, 3. 1 Samuel 7. I want us to see a pattern. Amen. I want us to see a pattern. I hope you are writing down what I was talking about. At first, I said that they had done evil in the sight of God. Number two, I said that they cried out to God. Number three, Gideon brought out an offering. Number four, God manifested as peace. Let's look at 1 Samuel 7. The Bible says, Then Samuel said to all the people of Israel, If you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods. Have you noticed again this was happening? This was what was happening in Judges 6. They had forgotten God. They started worshipping the God of the Midians. But here again, these are the Israel. Okay, but Banava Israel. If you are really serious about wanting to return to the Lord, get rid of your foreign gods and your images of Ashtoreth. Determine to obey only the Lord. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. Let's go, please. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Ashtoreth and worshipped only the Lord. Now listen to this. It was a different enemy, but the same heart. It was a different enemy, but it was the same pattern. Praise God five please six 
the sixth. So they gathered at Mizpah and in a great ceremony drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. It was at Mizpah that Samuel became Israel's judge. We had Gideon the judge, we have Samuel the judge. Please go on. When the Philistines' rulers heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army and advanced. The Israelites were badly frightened. Remember what was happening in Judges 6? They went and hid in mountains and caves. Ten, our foot. Mobilized. This was a different generation, by the way. The Bible says the Israelites were badly frightened when they learned that the Philistines were approaching. Go on, please. Don't stop pleading with the Lord. Now they were telling Samuel. Don't stop pleading with the Lord our God to save us from the Philistines. They begged Samuel. So Samuel took a young lamb. So Samuel took a young lamb and offered it to the Lord as a whole burnt offering. He pleaded with the Lord to help Israel and the Lord answered him. Go on please. Just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. Please go on. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to a place below beth slaughtering them all along the way. Please go on. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it. He was building an hotel. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshna, Jeshana. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. Please go on. So the Philistines were subdued and didn't invade Israel again for some time. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the Lord's powerful hand was raised against the Philistines. 14, please. The Israelite villages near Ekron and Gath that the Philistines had captured were restored to Israel along with the rest of the territory that the Philistines had taken. And there was what? I didn't hear you. There was what? Between Israel, Israel and the Amorites in those days. Hallelujah. Now when we look at this, we see a pattern. Hallelujah. We see a place where people had turned away from God. They turned away from God and chaos ensued. We see a place where people were anxious and they were afraid because there was no peace. But then we see God raise a man. We see God raise a man as a judge over his people and himself. Hallelujah. When he raised that man, what happens is that that man realizes that there's supposed to be an offering and an altar that's supposed to be erected in honor of God. And something happened after that. There's always peace that comes when an offering is offered to God. Now, I don't know if we've seen the patterns, but I'll give you the patterns for both stories. People ran from God Two, they became anxious and afraid. Three, they cried to God. Four, God introduces a judge. Number five, the judge sacrifices. And number six, peace reigns. Praise God. But then we are brought to modern day. Somebody might be asking, Mrs. Shea, what is the point of all this? I want to take you to something right now. The Bible says, for all of us had fallen short of the glory of God. We had seen, according to Romans, 
Our, our righteousness was as filthy rags. It means that we had turned our back from God. That, is, that was the state of the world at some point. Well, some people are still like that. But that was the state of the world at some point. That people had turned their backs from God. Don't you understand why there's so much anxiety in the world today? No, you know, I'm just having a panic attack. No, I'm just having an anxious, an anxiety attack. Well, we'll find out why. Praise the Lord. Anxiety and fear are the order of the day. But then we are introduced to something. Luke 2.14, please. I want to show you something, my beloved. I hope you're writing down. Are we together? We are on the same page right now, right? Luke 2, verse 14, please. The Bible says, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Do you know when this, 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 when the angels were singing? This was the angels that were singing this. The angels were singing this at the birth of Jesus. When Jesus had come on scene, before he could even go to Calvary, the angels already knew what was in the ground, what was on ground and what was brewing. Hallelujah. The angels began to proclaim peace. This was before the sacrifice was given. Praise the Lord. This was before the sacrifice was given. Listen to me. Jesus did not just come to the world to restore peace to the world. He came because he wanted to ensure that peace was reigning within us as well. And that is why he brought on sin the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit can live within us. Peace within. Hallelujah. He came on sin to ensure that peace was restored. But then have you noticed that the Israelites were always giving a sacrifice? If you haven't got it, I'll leave it at that. Israel kept going back to give a sacrifice. Israel kept crying out to God for peace. And while God is faithful, he would always come through. But then they needed to be something that was a little bit permanent. Hallelujah. They needed to be something that was a bit more permanent. We couldn't keep going to the altar and giving a sacrifice of, for peace. We, need, we couldn't just keep going to the altar so that the enemies can leave us and come back and leave us and come back. God needed to give us something that was a little bit more permanent. Hallelujah. Listen to me. God knew that for us to be able to enjoy peace, it needed to be perfect peace. The Bible says he keeps in perfect peace those whose hearts are stayed on him. Praise God. He, re he needed to reconcile us back to God once and for all and make measures that were lasting. Praise God. Now I want to show you something. Have you noticed that in the two stories that we had read before, the two stories that we had read before, we had the two stories. Oh, glory. When I, when I discovered this, I said, Father, you are God. Amen. When the, the two stories that we had read before, God called a man. 
He called a judge. God, that judge came and he gave a sacrifice. And then there was peace that reigned. And then now, we needed something that was permanent, no? And then God decided to bring Jesus on sin, no? Do you know that Jesus was the judge? He is actually called the judge. Do you know that Jesus himself is the sacrifice? Do you know that Jesus is actually called the Prince of Peace? These things were separate saints of God. They were separate. There was a judge, there was a sacrifice, and then there was peace that reigned. But Jesus, he is the all-in-one blessing such that he needed to be the judge. He did not trust any person to come to God with a sacrifice that was not going to be lasting enough. And so he decided himself to be the sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Not only did he decide to be the sacrifice, he is the prince of You need Jesus in your life. Now, we can take our sisters. Thank you. Now, I want to show you something. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Philippians 4, 6, 7. If you need, li- if you need reference, to Jesus being the judge. John 5.22 Jesus the sacrifice. Hebrews 10.10 Jesus as peace. Isaiah 9.6 Philippians 4.6 You can put it for me in the Amplified. The Bible says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving. In other places, that it says petition. It, uh, the word petition there is supplication. With thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul, assured of his salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God, and being content with his earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Saints of God. The Bible says, do not be anxious for anything. But with prayer, the word prayer there is a Greek word, prosuke. Prosuke is a Greek word that has got worship in it. Now, I want to show you something. Worship there. When we worship to God, the Bible says, uh, give your body as a living sacrifice, pleasing unto him for this is your reasonable worship have you noticed it says sacrifice and worship go hand in hand sacrifice and worship go hand in hand so the bible there is saying with prayer i know there's prayer there there's prayer and all those kinds of prayer but there's also worship in there so i want us to substitute that prayer there with some worship because there's worship there and that is why the next word is another word for prayer as well. Because the prayer there was supposed to have been. There's worship in there. 
saints of God, in that, in the prayer and supplication, there is worship, there is sacrifice, there is erecting an altar. But this altar is not the altar like the one they would erect before. We do this now with the revelation that Jesus has already given the sacrifice of all. So when we come and we are erecting a worship altar, when we are erecting um, a worship altar, yes, when we are coming to God and we are giving a sacrifice of worship, amen, it's because we already have a sacrifice that was already given. Praise God. Now, not only are you worshipping, there's also prayer in there. So it means that it means that when you are going to God, you are anxious. You, are, you have all these things on your mind. You go to God. Paul says, you go before God and you are worshipping. And you are praying. Praise the Lord. There is something that is supposed to manifest after that. The Bible says, and the peace of God. Does this show you the same pattern? That when you are going through anxiety and life is beating you here and there, you do not need to have that on your mind anymore. You can actually go to God and do it yourself. You do not need to wait for a judge to do it for you. Because Jesus already did it for you. And so when you go before God, you take your sacrifice of worship. The Bible says there is a peace that is introduced saints of God, I have come to tell you this right now. That when you pray and when you are worshipping, there is you have no choice. There is, in fact, heaven has no choice but to release peace. Heaven has no choice but to release peace. I will show you how. The Bible says in Acts that there is a man called Paul and there is a man called Silas. And they were in the prison doors. It means that they are they, peace, they had peace from within. Quite alright. But remember I told you that there is supposed to be something that affects the peace from without as well. It means that there was no peace from without because they were in the prison cell. The Bible says that while it was midnight. Can somebody say while it was midnight? Is somebody going through a midnight in their lives? Is somebody going through something? Something that is bringing anxiety. That is making you worry about something. The Bible says that they were in that they were in that prison cell. The Bible says they began to pray. Can somebody say they began to pray? Can I hear some prayer warriors in the house? They began to pray. The Bible says not only were they praying, the Bible says that they began to sing psalms and hymns. Ah, Kazata. It means that they were worshipping and they were praying. The Bible says that while they were in that place, there was an earthquake that came. Ah. Listen to me. Now, you know, most of us have known peace as harmony. Well, I have come to introduce a different kind of peace to you. Sometimes peace is not harmonious. Sometimes peace will manifest as an earthquake. The Bible says that in the book of Samuel, that God, ha, that God came and he spoke in a thunderous way to communicate the peace of Israel. Sometimes your peace will come as an earthquake. Man of God, that sometimes your peace will come as an earthquake. Woman of God, you need to understand that when you stand and you are worshipping, when you stand and you are praising, when you stand and you are praying, heaven has no choice but to manifest that peace. Ha! I think I am preaching good. Ha! Heaven has no choice. But to release that peace. Oh, shakarababa. 
Paul and Silas were in prison. Their peace was threatened. Their peace from without was threatened. But then we have read that peace is harmony from within and without. Their without was threatened. And so they began to worship. They began to pray. Can I hear somebody pray in this place? They began to rabaseke. Ha! They began to rikababa. They began to get on their knees. And the Bible says there was an earthquake that came. And that, that earthquake opened the prison doors. Peace was manifested and so they could walk out of that place free. Saints of God, we can please sit down. The Bible says, and the peace of God. We are still at peace in this verse. Philippians 4, 6. I hope we are still there. The Bible says, and the peace of God. Somebody say the peace of God. The Bible says, and the peace of God that transcends all human understanding. I want to believe Paul and Silas were in the, they were born again. And so they knew Ribadaka, Zekerebo Shonda. The Bible says the peace of God that transcends all understanding. The Bible says that, I'm just going to drop this in there. The Bible says that he who speaks in a tongue, speak things that are futile to the human mind. Not only are those things futile to the human mind, people cannot understand. So when I say, Rikidikaraba, you do not understand me. Amen. But then there is something also when you do Ribashaka that God releases, that the Bible says is beyond human understanding. You need to get to a place, sense of God, where you can rekeke and then the peace of God that transcends all human understanding. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there is a peace that transcends all human understanding. And that peace you can only get when you pray. Because that is what the Bible says. I just, because I love to speak in tongues so much, I had to put that in there. Because people cannot understand ribi gidi gidi. And so the peace I will get transcends human understanding. The Bible says, and the peace of God that transcends all human understanding. What does it come to do? The Bible says it comes to God. Hmm? Is, that what, is that what the verse is saying? It says, and the peace, and God's peace, which transcends all understanding, understanding shall garrison and mount God over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to me. When the Bible says that the peace of God shall come, in other words, it actually says the peace of God shall keep. Do you know what that word there, keep, means? It means to garrison. To add garrison. To add garrison means I am at the gate. I am a soldier. I am standing at the gate of your heart and your mind. That is what peace comes to do. Peace comes to guard your heart. Peace comes to guard your, your mind. Praise the Lord. Maybe you haven't heard me. Have you ever seen the way those um, a state house, the way those soldiers stand outside? That is how peace is standing at the gate of your heart. At the gate of your mind. Now I'll show you what it does. 
As in, I feel like you're not getting me when I say peace guards your heart. It means that everything that you have received in the place where you are praying from, in the place where you are worshipping from, cannot be stolen. Because the peace of God is guarding him. It means that anything that is supposed to enter your heart that is not of God will not enter. Because the peace of God is guarding it. Now I'll show you something. There's a verse, I, I love it by the way. But then I feel like it is an upgrade for me. Because the Bible says, guard your heart for from it flows the issues of life. There, that thing, the guarding of the heart was our responsibility. But then now, God has brought an upgraded system. God has brought an upgraded system where we can go into our prayer closet and then all we need to do is get on our knees and pray. And God is going to release his peace. And what that peace comes to do is that it comes to stand at the gate of our hearts. We do not need to guard our hearts on our own anymore because God has given us his It means that when the peace of God is standing at the gate of your heart, that anxiety, that fear, that depression will not enter. Even though the world is going the way that it is going, even though the world is dying by the day, because you have the peace of God, you stand at an advantage. Listen to me, we have believers right now who are wallowing in the things that they are not supposed to be wallowing in. Wallowing in depression. Wallowing in, in, an, in, an, in, an, an, in anxiety. Hey, wallowing in panic. Praise the Lord. Because they do not know what is happening. Because they do not know that God has given us remedy. Listen to me. I'm not trying to downplay that depression is there. Yes, it is there. It was meant to be there for those that are not in reconciliation with God. But you are a different generation. You are a different people. Your story is supposed to be different. Why? Because you have a prayer closet where you can go to God on your knees and you're able to tell him, Father, I am anxious by the things, by the way the world is going. Father, I do not have school fees. Father, this is happening to me. Father, there is no peace in my family. Father, this, this and that. And God will release his peace. That will come and it will stand as God. Such that your enemies will or those people that do not know this secret right now will look at you and then they will not be able to understand because the peace of God was not meant to be understood by men. The Bible says it transcends all human understanding. You need somebody who is spiritual enough to be able to look at you and say, I know what is going on here. I understand that you are in the storms of your life. I understand that something is happening that is supposed to be shoving you up and down the wall. But then I understand that you have a prayer closet. I understand that there is a peace of God that transcends all human understanding. Peace will stand at the door to guard the health, the wealth, and the prosperity in your life. Because that is what it stands for. 
Now, have you noticed the Bible just doesn't say that peace will guard your heart. The Bible says it will guard your what? Your mind. So you can't be seated there and have stray thoughts. It means there is something that is lacking called peace. You can't just be seated there and be thinking, oh, maybe God just doesn't love me. Maybe I'm just not beautiful enough. You know, maybe I'm just not man enough. Maybe I'm... No! When you have the peace of God, saints of God, let me show you something. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. Even as I am concluding. Oh, glory to God. Are you enjoying the word? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Let's go there. The Bible says, please give me in... Okay, let's leave it at that. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Weapons of flesh and blood. But they are mighty. Somebody say mighty. Before God for the overthrow and destruction stronghold. Go on, please. Refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and will lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Saints of God, I have come to submit to you this afternoon that strongholds are a thing of the mind. This battle is not a battle that is physical. This battle is a battle that is of the mind. The Bible says, hold the thought that the peace of God actually guards our minds as well. It guides, it, it guards the gate of our, of our mind. Listen to me. Did you know that according to this verse, when we marry it to the one we just read, peace is a weapon of warfare. Why do I say that peace is a weapon of warfare? The Bible says that for our, for our weapons of warfare are not carnal. Amen. Peace is very spiritual. And so even when you are going through something within your mind, you do not know how to dissect the theories and the reasonings that are happening within you. Let me bring it home that you do not know who you are in Christ. And so you listen to just every word and those thoughts are moving from your mind to your mind to your mind to your mind. The Bible says that for our weapons of warfare are not carnal. They are spiritual. They are mighty to the bringing down of strongholds. And I read in Philippians that that indeed the peace of God comes and it stands as God to the gates of our minds. That in itself, it tells me that the peace of God is a weapon of warfare that comes and it guards my mind. Now, why do I say that peace is a weapon of warfare? I say that peace is a weapon of warfare because it completely eliminates war. When there is no war in the land, they say there is peace. So if there is no war in your mind, in the strongholds in your mind, we say that there is peace. Saints of God, there is a peace of God. There is a peace of God that is a weapon of our warfare. It utterly destroys what it brings it to nothing. Did you know that mental health, you know we have mental, mental health activists, I respect you a lot. Mental health is warfare against the mind. 
people will come and they'll tell you, no, we are praying for world peace. First of all, people need inner peace. And I have shown you from this how we can get to that. Praise God. I have shown you from this how we can get to that. We need to understand that the peace of God is a mighty tool that God has brought to align us into his purposes. Because if you don't have peace, you can't do anything. If you do not have peace within yourself and outside you, it's really hard to do anything. Praise God. And that is why Jesus came and he said that the peace that I give to you is not as the world gives. Do you know that the world also gives peace? The world will come and tell you, just take a bit, just take two or two, you'll feel better. You'll feel chilled. No, just take a joint, you'll feel better. The world will give you peace. But there is a peace that Jesus gives. That peace is the perfect peace that we've been talking about all this while. He came and he says, I will give you peace. And that peace is not the peace that the world gives. Because even in the time of trouble, when you are in a world that has trouble, you will still have that peace. I have come to submit to you, saints of God, that the peace of God does not mean that there is absence of trouble around you or in the world. The peace of God does not mean that there is absence of trouble but you must understand that that trouble cannot affect that peace because that peace is powerful that peace is mighty even as we are standing to our feet we may be upstanding this means that when God releases his peace on us Whatever is happening in the world will not affect you because you have peace that is there to guard your heart and your mind. Because you have peace, praise God. Now, you know the state of where you are at right now. I told us to be taking notes and know where we fit in. Amen. I know there are many of us that may be going through things right now that don't look like there's peace around us. Allow me to take off my shoes. be going through something right now that doesn't look like peace around but because we are children of God because we are reconciled to God already we qualify for this kind of peace we qualify to be able to sleep in the storm like Jesus because the peace is already reigning within us hallelujah because peace is already reigning within us but then there is those of us you even know that the things around you sometimes are even affected by the lack of peace within you yourself. Because you don't have peace from within. You are not reconciled to God. So everything around you is not even at peace with you. I have come for you this morning. God has got an assignment for you this morning. This afternoon. I would like to call. I would want us to pray first. First. 